On August 23rd, the trains in Sydney collapsed. A mechanical fault at Town Hall Station kicked off severe delays across not just the city, but out in the suburbs. Stuck between Museum and Central. Unbelievable that half an hour of repairs can cause eight hours of delays. Can you still call it a delay if it's 77 minutes? Three hours spent commuting today on Sydney trains. My train tonight was so overcrowded that a woman literally passed out. All because of a single incident that happened when? At 5.30 this morning? While this was a particularly bad day for Sydney trains, delays aren't uncommon. Three weeks earlier, sudden track work closed the entire Illawarra line on a Friday afternoon at peak hour. Similar delays also happened back in late July and May and April. Some of these events are unavoidable. If a train goes down, there's not a whole lot you can do. But there is a general buzz among commuters in Sydney that our public transport system continues to fall short. Whether that's through delays, unreliable trains and buses, or just a lack of services altogether. People are wondering, what can we do to fix a faulty system? Today on the show, you'll be glad to hear we already have the answer to that question. And this answer comes in the form of data. But you'll also learn that this data isn't being used to fix the public transport system. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. In 2012, the New South Wales public transport system finally caught up to the digital age with the launch of Opal. Prior to the rollout of Opal, we had the magnetic ticketing system. This is Matt Hounsell, transport analyst and planner from the University of Technology, Sydney. Under the magnetic system, you would buy paper tickets to catch the train or bus. But under Opal, you carry a universal card where you hop on and off transport with a single tap. The Opal system is a tap-on, tap-off recording system. And that system is very rich in its data. Last year, there were 404 million tap-ons within the New South Wales Greater Metropolitan Area, which runs through the Hunter, Newcastle, Sydney, Wollongong, out to Lithgow, everywhere where the Opal card is available. Because so much data is collected through Opal, the capacity to learn about how people use public transport is greater than ever before and is much more than we could collect through surveys. The government took a survey called the Household Travel Survey, which is about 3,000 people, asking people to either keep a diary or sitting them down and saying, on this day, what is the transport that you did? But surveys can also be unreliable and inaccurate. If you pick a random Tuesday, they will say, well, I travelled to work and I travelled home. But that means that you don't get a good understanding of what people do on the weekend. You don't get a good understanding of people doing more complicated transport linking. It's very hard to get a a census of what people are doing from surveys. Analysing Opal data, transport sociologist Claudine Mutu says, can significantly improve the public transport system. If we know where people tap on and where people tap off, we get a sense of the services going to be more full. 
where we need to put more resources and crowding and additional infrastructure. We should be using the OPAL data more to argue for an increase in budget, an increase in services, basically better quality all the time across every aspect of the network. But right now, this isn't the case. Considering how much data we're collecting through OPAL, do you think enough is going back into the public transport system? I think, no, we could be doing more. One major reason we're not fully utilising this information, Matt says, is because it's tightly tucked away. All of the data is stored on a database. That is managed by Cubic, who make the Opal card system, and an agency within Transport for New South Wales under the Customer Experience Division. They are extremely reticent about allowing anyone else anywhere near that data. They are very, very careful about that. Why are they so secretive about it? Because under New South Wales law, they are legally obliged to maintain your privacy. Because Opal is a digital system, it does collect personal information about you. But Matt argues the need to better the public transport system far outweighs any of his concerns about privacy and that planners such as himself should have greater access to this data. Opal system allows a record to be created of how the entire city used the transport system. It is extremely useful to have this information to understand how people actually want to use the transport system. That being said, not all Opal data is behind closed doors. I jumped onto, I think it was Transport New South Wales. They do have somewhat of a collection of links and resources that you can look at tap-on, tap-off information. To you, how comprehensive is that information, though? It's taken in bits and bobs and mushed together into into some sort of document. Yeah, so it's nice to be able to have those dashboards, which make it available to more of a lay audience. But in terms of being able to access the data, you need to go through processes that confirm that you would manage the data and so forth. So it's not as open as one might think. For transport planners and researchers, they're after more in-depth data. So not just how many tap-ons occur on a certain line, but at what time people tap on, at what places, and how often. But accessing this type of data can be an arduous process. The data from Cubic then gets to Transport for New South Wales, who then do some changes on it to maintain privacy. In terms of our ability to um, use that for more responsive planning, we're not quite there. There's a lot of steps and bureaucracy along the way. However, Claudine believes it's crucial as Opal continues to debunk some pretty outdated misconceptions coming from the transport sector. Up until recently, I've been told, there was still this belief that only two people per hour or something interchange at Town Hall, and we know that's not true. (laughs) Um, Interchange means to swap from one train to another, or from one type of transport to the next. So prior to Opal, thinking that only two people were interchanging per hour at one of Sydney's busiest train stations, is way off. There's more and more opportunity to look at the Opal data and to sort of understand interchange. 
while Opal Data opens up a lot of opportunities to improve public transport, Matt has another concern. And that's in a country like Australia, public transport will always be an afterthought. The problems in New South Wales regarding transport are institutional biases rather than, you know, a lack of data. And what do you mean? So the original design for the changes to the Harbour Bridge after the removal of the tolls was to give priority to the buses so that they weren't crossing the the, the cars. However, the design was subsequently changed to give priority to the cars over the buses. And the prioritising cars over buses throughout Sydney is the underlying uh, reason that our transport system isn't as good as it could be. We spend 70% of our capital budgets um, on building roads in New South Wales and have done since 1986. And that's why our transport system is lagging behind. Cars are the priority. Cars are the priority. They're the priority within Treasury. They're the priority within the Cabinet. And that is why the system is still struggling. Why are cars the priority? What's the argument there? There is an argument within the Treasury departments that cars return a higher revenue. It is a historical um, decision which is based on the feelings in the early uh, 50s and 60s that cars were the future. And there's a lot of people who still have a strong emotional attachment to the car. And that means that we have got a city which is not as efficient as it could be because we still focus all of our surface streets on the car. There is a myth that uh, public transport costs more to build than private transport. So the West Connects motorway is coming in at about $500 million per kilometre. The tunnelling for... It's <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> How is that possible? That's a, I mean, that's a pretty good natural response, but it's an amazing and an astonishing amount considering that it only has uh, six lanes of car traffic, which can cater to about 12,400 people, whereas one lane, just one lane of rail traffic caters to 36,000 people. And the Northwestern Metro came in at about $200 million per kilometre for tunnelling. There is a feeling within the departments that the operating cost for public transport is higher because there's a lot more labour involved. However, that is ignoring the fact that society still has to pay for the operating costs of the private road network. It's just that we're all paying in our time, out of our own pocket, and at the same time, we're also causing vast amounts of climate pollution. So we're all losing out from having a transport system that's inefficient. In terms of flipping this narrative, so putting the emphasis on public transport, designing the system and our roads for public transport over cars, how much weight do you think the collection of data that we get from Opal, how do you think that would help in changing that narrative? Okay. We know that one of the most popular bus routes in the city is the 343 from the really dense suburbs of Zetland and Waterloo, moving thousands of people per hour. 
it should be really clear to the government and the departments that that area needs more priority for the public transport system to do the heavy lifting. Now, the council have asked for a light rail system down there, but they can't quite afford it on their own and they need the state to authorise it. But there isn't sufficient political will to invest in a light rail system to do the heavy lifting. The Opal system shows us that that demand is there. It also shows us that in places where improved public transport has been rolled out, people have used it. So the Opal system can show us people's responses to the transport and show us where the need actually is. It shows us the most popular bus routes in the city. It shows us when people are traveling. It shows us that people respond to 24-hour buses and that they don't respond to services that cut off at like 10 p.m. We know that there is a lot of things that can be seen in the Opal data that demonstrate what people actually want and will show the government that they could do some tactical changes using low-cost interventions such as, you know, the big plastic jersey barriers that they use to separate roadworks to create separated bus lanes, turning on the public transport priority at the traffic lights, which is just deactivated at the moment. If they were to do those kind of things to start prioritising the public transport, they would see not just the buses running faster and cheaper, but they would also see the results in the Opal data as to whether people responded. So the Opal system allows the government to actually see if people are responding to their changes. That means that there's now an opportunity for the first time we've had in history, the ability to within days see whether or not these changes are starting to make an effect. And then we can start to promote the change to see whether we can bed down these these options. But they've got to have the drive, the will, the willingness, the, the courage. You've got to be courageous, Minister, to actually change the system. But if there's no political will, then that data doesn't really mean anything. If there's no political will, nothing will change. But the reality of the 21st century is change is required and it's coming whether we like it or not. It's going to be something that has to be done. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.